can find ourselves coming to experiences which we equate with cessation, a sense of selflessness or sort of dropping away of the sense of personality with all it's all it's carrying along with it, its burden, its uh, patterns and so forth, to something very kind of sacred, mm. feeling of wholeness. Because mm. this is uh, a, fi- a great feeling of relief also. It may be accompanied by some particular mood or sign brought on by a particular intensity of, of effort or relax and then generally there's a kind of intensity and then there's a sort of relaxation and the, the two generally bring this is when you review it it comes around through that particular kind of application of effort and then the, the, a real very deep letting go not so much of the effort, but of the the effort to achieve or become, and yet that that effort has been has been helpful to to bring into focus, to unify, to energize, and then the moment of insight, we recollect that there's some kind of recollection of of conditions being impermanent or not really belonging anyway and there's somehow there's a clear dropping away a feeling of, of release and cesa- cessation and of course these experiences is um, pleasurable then we tend to then grasp it and to have it again find out how we do it we feel happy that we've, we've finally we've got somewhere we, we're getting along we've, we've made it able to do it a bit a little bit and we can do it again or which, which system did we employ and maybe that's, that's the way that works so we feel this is the way you do it, and then we can teach like that. And so, and then of course, if you if you don't operate through that system, then the, the view is well, you can't do it you know, because it occurs. Well, I did it this, 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 and then it, then it happened. So if you're going around in a different way, you can't do it. Yeah, that's the way it sounds. So um, cessation has its kind of problems, actually. We we can go back to these, what are called these anuncea, which are the latent tendencies towards views or towards conceit, towards wanting more, becoming what's called bhava-raga, that is the fever to accumulate and become and inhabit. and ignorance. Ignorance is always a, a you know, like a short-sightedness. And ignorance is not cessation doesn't dispel ignorance. It may momentarily alleviate or relieve, but then there is this uh, short-sightedness tends to attach itself to the to the igno- to the that experience, and we develop views about how we got to that experience and what we are now, or where we've arrived at, or and so on, or these kind of things, or so. Not to say cessation is obviously a, a very valid and and uh, beautiful 
experience the sensual experience and yet but there's an and yet the Buddha said you have after cessation you have this other quality which becomes possible from cessation which is called self-relinquishment utter relinquishment we call it vosaga which is more like a throwing away or giving up or like a turning inside out complete abandonment I think fundamentally one begins to recognize when if you have some of these experiences or any experience, any kind of highs or clarities we have, which are, the, are authentic and so on, but it's come around because we've, we've angled at it, we've, we've done it. And if anything we've done, sooner or later kind of gets undone. And, uh, it's been brought around by the, as an act of a deliberate will, application, motivation of some kind or another. And so therefore, whatever's done through that has the nature to break up and cease. So there's this increasing realization of deepening sense of dispassion towards consciousness, whether it's the cessation of consciousness when consciousness is connecting to 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 uh, a kind of this experience, or whether it's the where whether consciousness is arising, and is it bringing in objects and forms and movement, or whether it's just bringing in this state of great relief and deliverance. But still, you still have the consciousness in different forms and emptinesses and highs and lows that it can bring in. But in Buddha's teaching on anatta, he says consciousness is not self, it's not yours, it doesn't belong to you, it's something to be relinquished. Consciousness is not seen as a kind of an ultimate state ultimate, uh, it's a a conditioned reality, it's something that's awareness is conditioned into this consciousness experience. Consciousness experience is always that which manifests in terms of seeing, hearing, tasting, touching, or something to do with the mind. And smelling. so it, it, it's a discriminative experience. And uh, gives, gives rise to the feeling of someone who is conscious, or some, some state of being conscious, which some kind of self-experience. However, that's low or high, whether it's personal or transcendental, it's still that kind of some the, the the subject. Subject is a result of consciousness. Mm. You say in in uh, you cultivate samadhi, then of course consciousness can is changed quite can be changed steadily and gradually to refinement, calm and uh, energy which are wholesome and uh, and valuable but it is just the former in consciousness and then we find that the kind of the frustration of it is that we seem to really got places and then when the supportive conditions go away we find or back in rather humiliating positions again. You know, the strange kind of strong feelings and emotions and passions and and confusions. 
because uh, the anutsaya, the latent tendencies, have not been pulled up, have not been finished, been given up by samadhi or by the experience of cessation. We may wonder very well where we go from there. We may have done you know, a few meditation retreats when you, you, you do find this. It's quite difficult, but an ability to begin to kind of walk into the whirlwind of the mind and deal with a few things and, and struggle and eventually find some states of ease and calm and dispassion towards it all. And, and We've got we feel kind of cleaned out, brightened up, eyes are open a little bit more, and then when it's over, suddenly the mind just goes haywire. It's almost as if the the you know the padding of delusion, when it's cleared away, makes makes the mind make the mind it's raw it's more apparent. When we're a little more less attentive and a bit more deluded or confused, we're not even aware of the the uh, the, the main springs of our volition and uh, our longing and our anxiety. And suddenly, when all that gets cleared away, it gets more difficult, uncomfortable to live with it. Where we go from here? It's cause of why the Buddha taught the Four Noble Truths. After cessation, there's the path, the Eightfold Path. It's, it can seem odd that the path should come after the cessation, because we tend to imagine the cessation of dukkha is like that's it. And then what's this after? After this kind of epilogue, as it were. That you know, surely you've already cultivated the path in order to get to that third bit, in order to get to the cessation. But uh, the path is really on a it's a kind of extension. Actually, the principles of the path. The path is seen to occur in two modes: the mode which is called the mundane, which is that which kind of leads to cessation, and the path which is super mundane, which is when there is right view, right vision if you like, one has seen, as has been the seeing of uh, selflessness, of impermanence, of letting go, one has seen, one has experienced that quality of of awakeness of, uh, to some degree, of, of the peace, of the, the harmony of it, one has been there. Then there's what's called the super-mundane, mode of the Eightfold Path begins, which is the path leading out of cessation, if you like, or beyond it. You could say it's enlightened activity. Of course, activity is um, perhaps um, putting it too strongly, but it's rather like that. Look at it another way, after samadhi is wisdom. Sila samadhi panya, after the experience of, of oneness, arises wisdom. And wisdom is considered to be the, the highest, higher, or the thing that develops, takes you beyond, beyond samadhi. It's wisdom that deals with the anutsaya latent tendencies. Now we, of course, uh, consider wisdom to be an intellectual process, but the wisdom aspects of the Eightfold Path are what's called right, right view, or samaditi, and samasankapa, which is loosely translated, as most things are, as right intention, and the various kinds of confusion that come from these words, the English words, right view and right intention. 
that uh, samaditi is, is wisdom in its static aspect, vision, viewing. I think vision may be right vision, the kind of static aspect, just the seeing. And the sankapa is wisdom in its more active aspect. Speaking to so we could perhaps say it's our our mind, well the way our mind works, or it's uh, it's fundamental drives. It's not the same as thought, which is which uh, is kind of much more limited thing. And this sama sama sankapa really refers to the conventional realm of consciousness. Say the the way we see things, uh, the way that uh, the kind of way in which our consciousness functions. Samaditi, in a way, is a is a is a is an ability to. To recognize uh, characteristics in existence and the consciousness itself as something that arises and ceases, to have that that sense of dispassion and samasankabha is it is the ability to take to to work in consciousness, it's bringing it back home if you like. And I think where so often we go wrong is that we may get this some kind of vision or experience of oneness or transcendence and then you can't plug it in to the way your mind works so there may be a, a t- a people often you know, can go slightly crazy deranged or get really elated or go, uh, because they, they can't actually put that view through their consciousness Consciousness is not capable of, of managing it. It's like a, it's not capable of taking on that that kind of vision, or that that realization experience. Because the consciousness, or the system of of conceiving, thinking, relating to things, is still uh, very much conditioned in a, in a small way in a small personal way. You know, sometimes, you know, in spiritual practices, you get these occasions where people go crazy or crack up or, um, you know, or uh, can't relate to anything. And even in Buddhist meditation, which is a fairly sort of slow and peaceful process, People do get these, these kind of distorted exper- uh, distortion experiences because they can't. It's like the, the the system of consciousness is not prime, is not capable of handling the vision, the realization. It's rather like you know you having electric wiring that's all old, old and and worn down, and you plug it into a High voltage and the wires just melt, or having um, you know an old water system with these pipes which are all rusty and or can't can't handle that kind of volume, the water. So you get a consciousness of like this. It's a it's a conduit, and uh, it's it's the mind consciousness gets very is very conditioned and programmed into the, into this personality mode. And then we notice what we like as personalities, and it can be uh, the personality can't handle the view, the vision. And personality can be something that's still anxieties and impatience and so on, and these things are not really resolved. 
fear, self-consciousness, doubt, you know, defensiveness. And then, uh, you know, these, we tend to say, see the personality as something that's just maybe irrelevant or slightly in disparaging terms as being so what, you know, just personality stuff. And, uh, but you recognize that personality has to be worked on in a way or has to undergo some transformation in order that the, the vision, the truth, can can manifest. So it's a steady percolation of wisdom, of understanding of the fruits into this system of thought and speech and action and motivation. Samasankapa deals with the very setting up of the personality system. You know, this isn't something we can do consciously, saying now I'm going to have a different personality. But it's, it's, uh, it begins with the, uh, perhaps with the recognition of just, you know, from an experience of something transcendent, bringing that and being prepared to, to witness and watch and listen to the personality as it is, just bringing the two together so we can find that on one level of our mind you know, everything is fine, it's the way it is it is, you know, everything rises and ceases with total faith in Triple Gem and yet, personally I really like this, I don't like that, it gets on my nerves. But it doesn't matter, because after all, it's all impermanent and, and uh, you know, that kind of thing. So that the two can be unrelated. We feel rather, a uh, person just silly little nittering voice that you just want to shut up. Um, but to bring the two together is, is, a, is a wisdom path. Not because, not just because one's trying to have a great personality, but it, it's essential. Because otherwise, the uh, this personality is the cis is it gives you the indications of how consciousness is programmed. So consciousness is always going to set up some sense of self, and it's and then the particular programming of consciousness defines what that self becomes as a personality. And that's quite good to know about, necessary to know about. Because relinquishment or abandonment of the whole self-structure of that holding on to things, holding on to peace or tranquility or energy or brightness or pushing away um, the mundane or the boring or the tedious or the exasperating or whatever or the fears or the pains this is what this is. These are the these are the self tendencies, and they they manifest. We can witness them manifesting in our in the personality. So if we bring wisdom into our personality, you can actually undo or let go of those conditioned those conditions of things like anxiety or dismissiveness or fear or doubt, lack of confidence and so on. And bringing your attention onto those. And it's the attention of this, this understanding or this, this vision of truth, of peace, of harmony, of, uh, of Dhamma, of sacredness. So rather than seeing the truth as something that occurs within the personality sphere, you know, I've got it, we, we look at it the other way around. It's the personality 
is something that we can take on as occurring within our realization experience. It's not something to be booted out of it or dismissed, but actually something to be taken on in it. And if we work on this, then we, we actually transform those tendencies which otherwise keep leading back because of the unresolved need, anxiety, hunger experiences that, that affect uh, even the experience of, of truth is experienced through consciousness. So we tend to relate to it in these ways, for it to be need and want and hold on to and feel we good that we've got and bad that we've lost and so on. Now that occurs that's that's occurs those primary conditioning impulses, the things that we can witness in our personality, the way we go about doing things our eagerness to get over this our impatience to to bear with that our indifference towards this our fears about that our sense of inadequacy around this sense of complacency with that this is where you see that Samasankapa is like getting getting the the thing set up right. So this kind of, this is a wisdom, this is very, very, in action, wisdom is an activity that's got a humble quality to it because we're prepared to come down to this realm where consciousness is still manifesting, creating Kind of personalities and people, you know, really bring bring ourselves to this, but from the from the right view. So when we're trying to sort out our personality from the personality view, then it always it's always coming from a kind of uh, irritation, or I shouldn't be this way, I should be that way, or I've got to get rid of this and be more like that. And so, you know, that I means, of course, you, you just, you're, you're still creating, you're still operating in the same same mode. When it's, it's not like walking around in circles trying to pick up your footsteps, you're trying to clean up your footsteps, you keep creating more of them. You know, so just trying to change one's personality from the personality viewpoint is uh, it's frustrating. And you get you get kind of obsessive and a bit neurotic. And this is around earnestly talking about our dialoguing with each other, talking about our inner wounds and our mother complexes. <laughs> you know, sibling rivalry or something. And yeah, you know, these are useful things to to at least bring into consciousness. But to get how do we, you know, getting beyond it, or with meditators, we can kind of talk about our hindrances and our, our defilements, or our successes, or our systems, and our ways of doing things, our meditation practices. But it's always dukkha, isn't it? It's always disappointing because you never find that there's a. It always gives rise. There's still this thing, sort of feeling of self about it all, and so you, you know, it, it always comes as a rather conceited when you talk about your good things, and then rather, you know, was feeling rather contemptuous about one's failings because it's always seen in from the personality position. Samaditi is like the vision or the realization of sacredness of the holy. Uh, it's very important to uh, 
to see, to remember that, to just keep going back to that while we take refuges. We try to, to come from that place. So it's, that's totally patient because it's got no, it's not asking anybody to be anything. It's at the point when the whole personality system is not, is not functioning, it's not, it's not, it's not a matter of concern. It's not really, you know, it's not the issue with samaditi, it's not an issue what kind of person or personality is, because it, it's at that level where person, the personality is not really operating. So, for example, when we practice, devotional practices are like that, we just, I mean, you focus on devotional practices, just whatever it is, you're just giving it, you're giving it, you're offering it. And it, therefore, it, it doesn't really matter who you are or what you've got or what you haven't got because the whole focal point is just the sense of the, the eternal giving, blessing, opening, letting go, emptying, uh, devotion you know, to, to that which is beautiful. And so it can be very um, inspiring because then everybody can, you know, you can, you can find you can do that. And it's uh, our personality system is not there. If you do it, if you focus on it, you're opening in the heart. But rather than hang on to that, as a nice little thing I can do now and then, or some magical experience, then to use it, use that that vision, that vision of refuge, that experience of it, that image of it, to relate it to the the mundane or the personal world. So the mundane is seen from the super mundane view, rather than the super mundane be it seen as an attainment of the mundane. We see the the mundane as a kind of something that's super mundane, compassionately takes on. And so these samasankapa, like why we recollections on the Brahma Vihara, on the Buddha Nusati, Dhamma Nusati, Sangha Nusati, recollections of Buddha Dhamma Sangha, recollections on kindness, compassion, equanimity, joy, appreciative joy. These are these are aspects of samasankapa. They are kind of setting it up right. So you realize when you when you're practicing meditation, how say you're doing something like anapanasati or insight practice, and then you just shift over. How, how very different it is. It can seem to be just doing metta because it's like we're now we're not really going towards anything. It's not like that same sense of trying to focus and concentrate and review and, and get into and stabilize. It's just whatever it is, may it be well. Very different mode, isn't it? I find it so. Why? Do, how do those two meet? Why? How do they work together? What's What's the point? You know, how, what's the? Where do they blend? We say we're trying to just get our, our basic attitude right. Now, sankapa right. So it's becoming richer. It's becoming a little more blessing than needing. It's a little bit becoming more like something that enhances awareness rather than tries to find and see. So it's that's 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 where we that's where we come from, that's where we begin from. That's that's the right view, that's the beginning of the path, and in a way it's also the culmination of the path. It's always the the, the source, the source and the goal. It's the place which we go back to when we forget what we're about. We just go back to refuge or back to things like Brahma Vihara or back to the, the recollections on death, for example. These are these recollections actually take us back to that view, that vision, that understanding everything arises and ceases, don't hold on to it. And yeah, of course. And then you say, what was I trying to do? And 
you know, why was I getting so angry with myself about? What was I so fed up about? You see, it's just taking something to be oneself, or as permanent, or expecting things to always be um, going one's own way, or, or pleasant. You know, we, we fall for that time and time again, so we need to come back and begin with that. Right view, right vision. And then, then the activation of wisdom can proceed correctly. The sankapa can proceed properly. It's no longer so impatient or so reckless or so arrogant. You know, it isn't kind of, oh, get this, this is it, I've sorted it out now, this is it, I know what I'm doing. That kind of feeling, the shortness of it, it, it lacks, it lacks real, lacks real holiness. It's, um, it's, it's um, immature. You recognise that anything, anything you know, is a limitation. There's always something more than what you know right now. What you can get your mind around. What your mind can hold and conceive. And that's what one is motivated towards. What one can imagine and conceive and remember. And yet, that is activity of the mind, isn't it? And those ideas and impressions and motivations and goals are are products of the activity of the mind. What's and yet, but what's beyond the activity of the mind? That's what you can't get your mental activities to to get to. The cessation is that stopping or rec- uh, the laying of the activities of the mind, and then realization comes out of that. And then we relinquish any holding onto it and just bring it, that realization into our motivations and our ways of conceiving things. So we always, you know, it's like that your, your, your motivation is no longer towards some kind of goal. You can't conceive of things like that because a, a goal is, you know, it's it's a it's a kind of it's a position, it's a it's a point, it's a kind of something we we feel we're going to get. As soon as you talk in terms of a goal, then it's go for it, isn't it? So immediately your whole the whole motivation principle goes in the, in this particular pattern of activity towards something and then holding it and having got it or not having got it yet so the more so the relinquishment is in a way it's a relinquishment of the sense of a goal the sense of a self that has to arrive at something now these may sound like just strange philosophical notions but you can see in mundane terms how how very rapidly experiences, things that we're about to do are, are very rapidly measured in terms of myself or what I want to achieve. Where's it going to fit in? I don't want to do that. You know, it's like that. It's, it's already judged. So, we, you know, we're doing a meditation retreat and this is this way. And then maybe it's, we have to do something else. And that's, oh, that's not the goal. We can't fit that into our... So it's not the... So in fact, we're motivated towards ordinary activity in a way we've already judged it as not the goal because we've got an idea of what the goal is. 
and because we judge it in a way, we motivate in the wrong way, and we act in the wrong way, and lo and behold, it, it becomes that which is contrary to our practice. Because, but then we've actually done that. Our activity of the mind has, has done that. The false activity of it. See how much um, things like prejudging or rushing towards conclusions or um, are so so strong in us, so common in us. How, in worldly terms, in the ordinary mundane world, how difficult it is to apply the realization that the future is the unknown. I can see in in this the, you know my retreat here, you know it kind of moves between these modes of sitting in the meditation hall and you know going out to the stupa and feeling this feeling of real kind of timelessness and bliss and sense of well this is it you know there's nothing nothing and then receiving the faxes. Coming through the mail saying, Could you get this done by Tuesday? <laughs> Suddenly the time has disappeared, we're back into time again. And you, you know, the whole mind kind of goes into this agitation mode. So then, you know, there was a sense of, you know, of irritation with it. And then, you know, eventually you kind of calm it all down again. The next thing happens. And this happens a lot. So one begins to kind of consider, well, there must be a, a way of through this. I don't want to keep going through this experience, or how far can you run, you know? <laughs> and of course, it's to see these these things, and instead of you know to to look at what the mind does with these signals and messages. Notions, how it picks them up. So when you find that the mind just goes into kind of planning everything, working everything out, and then it starts planning things. It starts planning, working out everything. Endless kind of chat, fixing, and and where did all that come from? This came from that plugging into that activity again, or being plugged into that activity again. I feel that then this uh, has to be fully worked at. How to, to deal with these things, to relate to these things as momentary arising. And even when you know and it's got black and white, and it's got dates and names and numbers. You don't know. You don't really know. It's all just uh, signals. These are just marks, hieroglyphs, concepts that don't have to be dismissed because that's what they are. They're not that the consciousness. If you, you know, if you contemplate it. You usually contemplate the words, the thought processes, the patterns of it, as just that, rather than believing in the signals they make. So you can actually bring your attention, your view onto that, your vision of, of truth onto onto these processes of consciousness. If you like, it's also about being able to, to take the those long, long repeated, boringly repeated thought patterns are going on and on again, and you, you, you're surprised now how they keep going on when <laughs> again and again and again. To actually take them as if they're sacred treasures, the same boring old thought process, and really, you know, so you're looking at it from the view of sacredness, like this somehow is a manifestation you know, of, of coming through this, this, this life, through this consciousness experience. 
rather than just always seeing as my mind rabbiting away again, we should shut up, doing those stupid things, and I'm getting angry, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be so feel so negative about myself, I should try and look at myself in a positive manner. But just, you know, these, these sort of personality stuff, just really reviewing, contemplating the objects of consciousness willingly, just as they are. The sound of a thought, the movement of it, As you can notice that uh, even in even in retreats, how this is not really the, res- the results of not doing it. Is that when it's all right, when it's silent, and then as you can find that one day after the retreat re- begins, there's a tremendous kind of passionate debate over the way the tea towels are washed. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or, you know, if it's 
the mind gets so sensitive that you just drop an idea into it and it, it creates so much resonance around it. It's a very common experience in a monastery where you have the, the morning meditation. After the morning meditation, you sit down and have the morning meeting, and then these announcements are made, and you can feel overwhelmed within about 40 seconds. Just, oh, oh, washing up, cooking, driving, binder bars, dentist appointment, oh, so much, you know, it's happening today. <laughs> <laughs> There's 40 seconds of, 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 of signals, just kind of words. Every one of them was, was, was you know, produced these images and was held and felt. Even if it's nothing to do with you, just hearing about somebody else's activity can make you feel tired and overwhelmed. <laughs> this, is, this is strange, isn't it? Because then after, when the you know, you get up and you walk out and you're in this state, jangling around. Wait a minute, what's, what's the problem? Where am I? Finally finding you're rushing around doing things urgently. Over, over, over just the, the mind, the mind be going into that, that sankapa, that kind of way of operating, because it's heard a few messages. So, it, so it, we, it may take us a couple of hours or so before we recognise why am I rushing down the corridor? You know, because because we had a, a you know a meeting in which people spoke quickly or something like that. You know, a few announcements made. So suddenly we're rushing around, doing, you know, doing rushing around here, there, and everywhere, and banging the doors around, them. and the whole thing just starts to vibrate like that. This is the result of, of not having cultivated wisdom as an activity, but wisdom as a kind of receptivity, right view, which is essential, but not wisdom as an activity, which is not just what we're doing, but the very way in which things are, are conceived, the way in which consciousness is activated into purpose, results, goals, aims, uh, and so on. Is actually the teachings on, on mindfulness make it very, very simple. Anything that's approached, witnessed directly, you can is immediately calming. You, know? you touch it directly with mindfulness. It's just something that rises and ceases in the moment. The movement of the body, the movement of the heart, the chitta movement of feelings but we don't do it we don't do it because in that moment it's all gone the recognition of being mindful of these things is all gone Mine is already get this done and zoom here, go get that wheel. It's already lost it. Its basic setup is wrong. So one has to then consider, well, you know, we work in both ways. You, you can catch it and oh well, what am I doing? Suddenly you recognise, let's slow down or right, you know, it's just sweeping the corridor, here we go, backwards, forwards, you know. <laughs> Get with the body, you know, get feet on the ground. That's one way, which is generally kind of like an aftermath. Or in your meditation, just actually you know, listening to a thought, reviewing an attitude, like why, we, why, I feel, why does one feel nervous? You know, the nervousness within a group of people the anxiety, or the feel, or how one feels oneself to be on your own, or when you're in a group. It's an important experience to look at, to consider that, because we can feel very different. Now, rather than trying to make nothing of it, or feeling, you know, something we should get over, we need to, to actually look at what, what is set up, what the mind sets up. 
as some we review these things from the position of refuge, from a kind of no aims, just interested, that's all. Like a, almost like a the a blessing. It's it's, it's there's to be appreciated, certainly not denied or pushed aside, but to actually kind of contemplate it, to to take it in, worry, doubt. we do these um, circumambulations then you know, remember that our whole thing is like a, it's, a, it's the meditation practice walking outside the, whatever feeling comes up feeling of interest or lassitude or whatever or it's cold or it's pointless it doesn't get to you or it's something you find very wonderful how it strikes you, you as a personality. What kind of voices stir up in the mind? Near the head of the line, you can feel a bit of a knit going out of your little little lantern, and then here you go again, going round in circles. Or cold. It's quite cold in the mornings. Rather think these are things that are getting in the way or that one shouldn't be feeling. It's the taking it on as part of the devotion, devotion to that feeling, to that mind state. So we're actually opening to it offering ourselves to it, relaxing into it, into the the coldness or the nagging of the mind or the wondering what the point of it all is. You know, that experience is something we the devotion is there to allow us to, to open to that in a non judgmental, non critical, non pushy, non goal oriented way. These are really valuable. This is how you, you find that uh, these things can be reviewed, looked into. And the need to, to be it something or to be nothing can be is then put away because we're quite willing to be the cold or to be the nagging or to be the wonder or to be the, the uh, confused. Because the you know, from right view, it's just something you're witnessing as changing, rather than seeing it as a personal statement. And these things help to prevent making personal statements, if you approach them wisely. It's the whole variety of it. There's no statement you can make. You can't say you're bad, or good, or anywhere, really. Because anything like anything you say that about changes. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's bright, sometimes it's dark, sick, weak, strong, happy, joyful, miserable, cantankerous, and so on. But the problem is that we tend to lock into one or and then for a while, and then because of that locking in, then we lock into other things. We lock into feeling good, then we lock into feeling bad. The sense of sacredness is that which allows us to not have boundaries and little interior partitions. Our motivation is then made truly right. It's not onwards we're going. It's not further we're going. It's it's deeper. It's, it's more fully here, allowing more and more of it to be here. And as it's here, 
it's just this it's arising and ceasing and there's the knowing of it very kind of simple dhamma but just uh, you know recognize the, the limitations we place on that so it doesn't as it doesn't enter into into our real experience of our activities This is where we have to develop our path. Path will develop the fruit by itself.